This is episode 319 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's articles are Post-SHTF Issue, Which Food to Consume First, and 14 Things to Stockpile for the Next Hurricane. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my new ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. If you haven't thought about multiple streams of income for your finances, then my ebook and also the Prepper website forums can help you. I hope you'll consider it. You can come over to microbiz.biz or theprepperwebsitepodcast.com to get a little bit more information. All right, so let's go ahead and jump right into our articles. Our first one comes to us from survivalsullivan.com, and the title again is Post-SHTF Issue, Which Food to Consume First? So let's go ahead and dive right in. When SHTF, food is definitely a high priority for many preppers. If you've ever watched the reality show Naked and Afraid, you know how important your caloric intake can be in a survival situation. The average adult needs to consume 2,000 to 4,000 calories daily to maintain a healthy body weight. For those doing the type of manual labor tasks required during an SHTF situation, calorie intake should be on the higher end of that range. Foraging for wild edibles in the harsh environment of Naked and Afraid wasn't enough to provide the energy needed to accomplish the necessary task to survive. Chopping firewood, throwing a heavy fish cast net, building or reinforcing a shelter, even walking the needed distance to get water was made nearly impossible by lack of energy. Even when the participants caught fresh fish or were able to kill a pig, they didn't have the supplies to preserve the leftovers for later. They ate what they could eat And that day and several days later, their bodies were craving protein again. So when it comes to post-SHTF issues, no matter how much food you have on hand, what food to consume first becomes a critical decision. If you consume the food you have on hand in the wrong order, you risk losing a huge portion of food to spoilage and you risk running out of food before you can get a new source of fresh food established. Most of us won't be in the Amazon jungle when SHTF hits. We will be in or at least able to get to a home where we have food on the counter, in the fridge, the freezer, or growing in the garden. Below is the breakdown of what food to consume first to help ensure your family has food for as long as possible post-SHTF. Number one is refrigerated food. Your normal refrigerated food should be consumed first. If the interior of the refrigerator remains cold, you need to consume refrigerated food within 6-8 to eight hours. Buying an appliance thermometer for your refrigerator will help you determine if and when the temperature rises above 40 degrees Fahrenheit when the power goes out. If you have meat in the refrigerator and the temperature goes up too much, you either need to cook it and eat it, or smoke it, salt it, or dehydrate it in order to prolong its shelf life. Foods such as butter, fruit juice, Condiments like ketchup, mustard, relish, salad dressing, jelly, and barbecue sauce will still be good for a day or two even with the power out. 
prioritize consumption of the following foods if they are in your refrigerator and you cannot get the power back on as they will go bad after just two hours. Poultry, meat or seafood, cooked or raw. Dairy products such as milk, yogurt, cottage cheese or soft cheese like brie or feta. Lunch meat, pizza with meat toppings, tartar sauce, mayonnaise or creamy salad dressings rice, cooked pasta or potatoes, as well as any dishes prepared using these foods, stews, soups, and casseroles. Any food that feels slimy, has a strange color, or feels warm should be discarded. You can check your eggs by floating them in a cup of water. Eggs that sink should be okay. Any eggs that float should be discarded. Hey guys, let me say something really quick about refrigerated food. And actually, this is going to carry over into our next article when we talk a little bit about uh you know, things to stockpile for for a hurricane. One easy way and actually one prep that everybody should have is uh, an inverter. You should have an inverter that you can connect to your vehicle. And uh, so most inverters, if they are a bigger one and you should get a nice size one, maybe 750 watt, 1000 watt, maybe 1500 watt, get a good one and they should have alligator clips that you can connect to your car battery or and also a 12 volt connector where you can connect to your cigarette lighter. And so what you really want to do in this situation right here so that your refrigerator does not spoil is have one of these inverters so if the lights go out or the power goes out or whatever happens that you're able to start your car and you're able to connect the inverter and you have uh, you definitely need to have some uh, some electrical cords right some extensions where you can run an extension from that inverter to your refrigerator and if you can turn your refrigerator on using uh, your this inverter it will help keep the food in that refrigerator cold and so let's say you run it for two hours and then you you uh you turn it off for about three or four hours and then you run it for another two hours and and so you're you're keeping it uh cool and you're making sure things stay frozen and things stay cool in the refrigerator that will greatly 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 prolong the stuff that you have in your in your your refrigerator and you won't lose it and so your, your vehicle, like if you know that there's going to be a hurricane or you know that there's going to be some issues, you should always keep your, uh, you know, your, your gas tank topped off. And that's one thing when uh, we, you know, one thing that we do uh, when there is a hurricane in the Gulf, and I'm kind of bouncing off of both articles now, uh, actually, when there's a, for us, since I live in, in Houston, Texas, when there is a hurricane in the Gulf, and I know that for sure it's not going, you know, it, it, it's coming to the middle, right, of the Gulf, then we for sure, we start thinking about stockpiling, we start filling up our gas tank. And so think about it. You have two cars, even if you have one vehicle, you're, you're going to have 15, 20 gallons worth of gas in there. And so uh, you have two vehicles, you know, I've got a big truck, I can hold a lot of gas and that will power my refrigerator for a long, long time. So at the same time, if you have an electrical strip and you have a, a big enough inverter, you can power your refrigerator. And when you are powering your refrigerator, you can be charging your laptops, you can be charging your cell phones, you can be you know you know running a fan if if you uh, you want to try to cool off a little bit, maybe running a TV or charging up you know batteries, whatever it might be. So you definitely want to have an inverter. I think that is a prep 
that everyone should have. If you live on a coast somewhere, or you know, you uh, even even if you get in a situation where uh, you know electricity goes off for whatever reason, maybe you're in a high wind area or even you know snowstorms and stuff if you can get to your vehicle and uh, it doesn't you know will come back and in, 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 uh, cause carbon monoxide poisoning or whatever that will be a huge blessing to you and so I think that's something that uh, you should have in a blackout kit something that you should have readily available to you and uh, will save you um, a, a ton of heartache you know so let's say that the the lights are out for maybe a day, you know, a day and a half. And maybe that might be long enough to ruin everything in the refrigerator and in the freezer and get it to start thawing out. Uh, But if you had this inverter, you would save yourself all that, losing all that. The other thing that you can do is if you can't have an inverter or we're going to talk about fresh food here in just a minute, one of the things you can do is invest in a nice ice chest. Some of the new ice chests, and I'm not talking about going out and spending hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars like on a yeti ice chest i mean that would be cool but there are some really nice ones that if you do things right will keep things really cold for you so one of the things that i like to do is if you have a square like uh, i think uh, sometimes like fruit juice bottles will come like in a rectangle uh, if you can kind of imagine here uh, a rectangle bottle And so if you were to use those up and you fill them up with water and you freeze those, if you had to in your ice chest, put those down. And I like to create a layer. We actually have done this when we go up to the country. I I put a layer of those types of fruit juice bottles that are frozen on the bottom with a little bit of water down there. And then go ahead and put what we need to put in there and then top it off with ice. Those... you know, you'll have ice for a long, long time, especially if you can keep this ice chest in the shade. It will keep for two or three days easily. And so that's why I'm saying, you know, investing in a really nice uh, igloo or uh, igloo is a brand name, but, you know, ice chest uh, would be, you know, something that you want to do. I, I bought a really nice one off of Amazon for, I think, like 70 bucks, maybe $79, but it's a really nice one. And so it's a great investment in case you ever need it. And so you always usually need, uh, you know, ice chest. There's always parties and stuff like that. You bring it out. But uh, just, you know, keep up with it and take care of it. And it'll always do uh, do you good. So let me go ahead and jump into the second one here. It's fresh food. Fresh food that has come from the store or has already been harvested from your garden will spoil within just a couple of days. So it should be among the first foods you eat. Fresh fruit such as bananas and strawberries will spoil much more quickly than fruit like apples and oranges. Keep this in mind as you decide what to eat in the first few days following SHTF and eat the most vulnerable fresh fruits first. Don't just eat what you have a taste for, but instead eat the food that will spoil first. Try to make your meals for the first day or two from your refrigerated food that is still good and the fresh food you have on hand. Um, So, I can't remember which fruits all this works with, but there's some like some fruits that you shouldn't keep next to others because the gases or whatever will cause the fruit to ripen faster. And I don't know, maybe I need to find uh, I need to find that article or whatever. That's always interesting. Uh, you know, I guess you should commit that to memory and save yourself some uh, some money there, or at least causing your fruits and vegetables to spoil a lot faster. There's, so there's some ways that fruits and vegetables 
will last longer if you, you know, like some like need to be refrigerated, some don't need to be with this fruit and vegetable and blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I know that's out there. If uh, if someone knows or has that article, send it to me and then I'll share it out in, a, in the next episode. Uh, definitely would, uh, you know, I think that's information everybody should have. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and read this next little paragraph here. I want to talk about this one. If you do have a garden that is already producing and you live in an area that will be quickly overrun by looters, harvest what you can and use your wood cook stove or portable canning stove to can to can it and get it into your stockpile. Fresh fruits and vegetables from your garden can also be dehydrated using the sun and screens. This way, they take up less space, have a longer shelf life, and can become part of your stockpile where they will be at less of a risk from looters passing by. All right, so, um, you know, on one hand, we're talking here about, uh, you know, post-SHTF issues. I I think the looters uh, coming and looting your garden, I think that's going to be down the road here a little bit. So I think, uh, you know, you'll, you'll have time to eat your food there. So anyway, I, I don't know, uh, you know, when I, when I think of this article here, uh, I'm not thinking like SHTF, like the zombie apocalypse, right? I'm thinking more like SHTF, like Hurricane Harvey, which we experienced last year. And, uh, you know, our electricity was out and, uh, you know, we had to deal with, with, uh, you know, possibly our house being flooded, which it came very, very close and, and, uh, those types of things. So definitely, uh, you know, that, that's what I think about. So I don't, I'm not worried about looters or people coming, uh, back, you know, into my garden for, for stuff like that. Uh, you know, if, if, uh, that happens, if the, you know, the zombie apocalypse, EMP, the polar shift, whatever, you know, that happens. There's going to be a whole lot of other things you're going to be worrying about than just the food in your in your garden there. A lot of other things. All right, so number three is frozen food. When SHTF, your freezer food is going to thaw pretty quickly if you don't have available solar power. It helps if you keep your freezer full at all times. If you can't keep your freezer full of food, fill milk jugs with water and allow them to freeze and take up the extra space in the freezer. When the power goes out, leave the door closed while you eat your refrigerated and fresh foods in the first day or two. If that cold air cannot escape, it may take two or three days for food to thaw, but then you'll be ready to start eating it. A full freezer can maintain its temperature for about two days, but that time is cut in half if the freezer happens to only be half full at the time. An appliance thermometer will let you know when the temperature rises above zero degrees Fahrenheit. If you don't have an appliance thermometer, you can also put a cup of water into the freezer and put a quarter on top of it once it freezes solid. When you experience a power outage, keep the freezer door shut. If the quarter is no longer on top of the cup, you'll know approximately how much thawing occurred by how far it has dropped into the cup. Food with ice crystals and it can be safely refrozen if you can get power back on. After meat thaws, however, cook it all thoroughly on your barbecue grill or wood cook stove. If you can keep the temperature in your freezer below 40 degrees, then you still have approximately 36 to 48 hours to eat it as long as you can keep it cold. You may want to print off copies of these food safety charts, and there's a link here, for reference in a power outage. If you've prepared ahead, you can salt, preserve, dehydrate, or can your food meat in order to preserve it and give it a longer shelf life. I know somebody in the comment section asked about 
you know, canning over like an open flame. And I know that there's been people who, who have done it. I know that I have linked to articles and videos uh, on that, you know, on the Prepper website. And I believe um, the people over at American Homestead uh, have done that before. Yeah, they do do it, if, if I'm not mistaken. And so if I find it in the show, in the, in the, the Prepper website, Tag Cloud, I'll go ahead and link to it in the show notes. And if you're interested in that, um, because, you know, if it really was a poop hit the fan situation, you would want to be able to can food, but you would need to be able to do it over a fire. And so, uh, you know, they, they do it and they're successful in the way that they do it. All right. Number four is stockpiled foods. The recommended stockpile of food for an SHTF event is six months to one year or more. The reason for this large stockpile of food is to give you enough food on hand to eat during the time it may take to produce food from your own garden. The food you have stockpiled that doesn't require refrigeration should be saved until you've eaten all of your fresh and refrigeration or refrigerated foods. Sure, you may use some of your stockpiled flour, rice, or beans to make meals from your refrigerated or frozen foods, but you'll want to save your canned fruit and vegetables for the time when your fresh and frozen ones have been eaten. And number five, other foods. If you have MREs as part of your stockpile, you definitely want to save these rather than thinking of these as a food to consume first. MREs are designed to have a longer shelf life, so they make a great backup food to have on hand. MREs are good to have in the event that you need to bug out or if you experience a time when making a larger meal just isn't feasible or safe. And guys, I would say, uh, just in my opinion, I would rather have dehydrated food than uh, MREs first. Um, MREs are, you know, if it's just a one-person type thing, but if you're talking about a family um, you know, I think the dehydrated foods, you can, you, MREs are a lot heavier. Uh, usually you're buying a box and it might have, you know, six to 12 in there and they're very heavy. Dehydrated food is going to be a lot lighter. You can carry a lot more and it's just, you know, I, you gotta, you, you just gotta make sure that you get the right company, right? I, that's why I always, uh, when I talk about dehydrated food, I always mention legacy food because I think their food is, you know, is one of the ones that tastes the best. And the way that they package it is for families. It's not just individual packages. And you know, they have all different kinds. They have the grab and go that you can go and get and uh, and just take with you, or they have you know the bigger totes that uh, you know when you're preparing for your family. So they're easy to grab and go. So that's just my opinion there. Uh, if, if you're interested in legacy food, I, I always do uh, put a link in the show notes so you can just easily uh, jump to that. All right, so now that you have a better idea of what food to consume first during an SHTF event, take some time to make sure you have the supplies you need to extend your food supply. Pickling salt and brown sugar are used to make brine and to salt meat, so those are great to stock up on. Canning jars, canning lids and rings, a jar lifter, and a stove that doesn't require electricity but is sturdy enough for canning are are great things to add to your stockpile. Another good strategy is to practice all the different ways of preserving food now before an SHTF event occurs. The more practice you have, the more confident you will be when preserving food after an SHTF event. One of the things I'm going to want to do is go grab my father-in-law's smoker. <laughs> he has a smoker in the back. Uh, I mean, he the, he only lives about five minutes away from me. But uh, he 
he has a smoker in the back uh, in his backyard, and so uh, that would be definitely one way uh, to uh, to preserve food. And you know what? Re- realistically, they're not that hard. I mean, my next door neighbor actually is like uh, across the fence from me. He has one, and he's you know he's a big hunter or whatever, and, and he has one, and he can you know he, when he fires it up, you can smell it. Uh, and just that's a way to preserve food. And so that might be even easier if you have access to, you know, the wood that you need and, and all that good stuff. That might be easier to do than to uh, even can over an open flame. Um, but anyway, I'm not an expert on all of that. Just something to think about. So, guys, that's over at SurvivalSullivan.com. And like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. And so you can go check that out for yourself. Our next article comes to us from askaprepper.com and it's entitled 14 things to stockpile for the next hurricane. And so, uh, you know, we are coming right up and bumping right up to hurricane season. And it's kind of weird for us to even be thinking about that with the year that we've had down here in Houston and actually not just Houston. You know, it was the whole Gulf Coast, really, uh, all the way, you know, from Corpus Christi all the way into Louisiana was just inundated with water uh, because of Hurricane Harvey. And uh, there's a lot, uh, you know, you heard me talk a little bit about that yesterday. There are still a lot of communities that are uh, just nowhere near uh, finished and complete. A lot of gutted homes. And uh, there are some places, you know, my boss, uh, the person that is my supervisor, there were people who lived in homes that were completely paid for the and they were flooded the insurance company paid them off and they just they just shut the door and left they didn't even muck it out so you have all this this mold and and all and the thing is is that during those first couple of days right after the the floodwaters were receding there were so many people helping that they could have easily at least got rid of the uh of the mold right they could have at least uh, cut out all the wet wood, let it dry out, and there wouldn't have been any mold. But man, you you wait a week or two weeks, and mold starts setting in, and then it gets creeps into all of the wood. Forget it, man. And so I know a lot of the neighbors are not very happy with these people who just picked up and, and left. And part of it you kind of understand because they're just so overwhelming. But on the other hand, I mean, you, you know, you're a homeowner. You have a responsibility not only to your house and, and to your to the things that you have there, but also to your neighbors. And so that's just would have been the right thing to do. And like I said, there were just so many people there willing to help during those times. And now that house is just going to need to be destroyed. And, and not only that, it's just uh, the mold. It's just it's throwing in the air. And so you know, all these things are fresh on our minds. And if you live on the coast, uh, you know, you you can definitely. Uh, be dealing with this here in the next month. I mean, hurricane season starts in June. And not only that, but I remember uh, not too long ago, I mean, I think it was somebody who was writing who had a preparedness website and they were talking about Hurricane Ike. And, uh, you know, Hurricane Ike came up and, you know, hit Houston, Galveston and Houston. And, and uh, you know, a lot of people were without, it wasn't a flooding event, but it was a wind event and it, you know, did a lot of damage. And so uh, I remember contacting this this website owner. I'm like, "Hey, do you live in Houston?" And uh, you know, he emailed me back, and he's like, "No, why? You know, you're like the third or fourth person who has asked me that." And I was like, "Well, because you said, you know, you're bringing up Hurricane Ike, and they were further up north. I mean, they were like two states away. I can't remember exactly. I would be lying if I, if I I just would make up a state, but." Uh, he said, "No, the 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 rain and the wind. I mean, it hit us all the way up here, 
And, uh, you know, so even if you are not on the coast, you, you can still definitely be uh, dealing with hurricane issues, right, that go all the way inland and cause trouble for people. So uh, this is, uh, again, 14 things to stockpile for the next hurricane. I'm going to, br- you know, just kind of run through these really quickly. I'll stop if I, uh, you know, if there's something there that I feel I need to, to comment on. I think I did a lot of commentary, or at least what I wanted to do uh, about the inverter in the previous post. So, uh, you know, just, you know, think about that one there. I think that's an important one. But let's go ahead and uh, let's see what this article has to say to us. 14 things to stockpile for the next hurricane. What are the disaster recovery limits of the U.S. government? What is the nation truly capable of recovering from? I've never considered this question until the 2017 hurricane outbreak. Even the 2011 tornado outbreak didn't test my conscience the way this did. When does the U.S. government tap out? While it's hard for Americans to believe it, resources have their limits. There's only so much that can be done by a government when storms of this size keep coming. What will the 2018 hurricane season look like and how will the earthquake threats of 2018 strain the government's ability to administer disaster relief? You are the only one with your family's best intentions in mind. You must be prepared, come what may. Now that we have some time to prepare for the coming hurricane season, I'm going to give you 14 things to stockpile for the next hurricane. Number one is water. The number one issue that hurricane survivors face is access to clean water. That might be clean water for hygiene or clean water for drinking. Either way, the floodwaters are all contaminated and so are most local bodies of water. Whether you decide to buy retail water or store water in specialized containers like water bricks, this should be priority number one. And I would say here, you know, a lot of times the hurricanes don't cause you know, flooding like they did in Harvey. That was just a, a freak thing, right? But if they are saying that there's going to be a lot of rain, uh, you know, associated and you're in a, you are in an area where uh, it has flooded or you are in fear of flooding, I would invest in a water bob. And it's a one time use type deal, but you know, usually you get them for about thirty nine dollars. It's a hundred hundred gallons of water. You put it in your bathtub and fill it up. And uh, if you're just concerned that you're not going to have fresh water to drink, uh, this this is the way to go. And so it's a, like I said, a hundred gallons. It comes with a little spigot so that you can pump water out, and uh, it just might be worth it. You know, thirty nine dollars might be worth it. And number two is gasoline. In my world, gasoline is the doorway to success in regard to hurricane preparedness. Generating power using gasoline is how I create comfort, safe food, and quality of life after hurricanes. The generator was an investment, but it's the gasoline that makes her go. I lived through a hurricane without a generator, and I promised that would never happen again. Now it's up to me to keep enough gas on hand to assure the generator runs. Get some nice large gas cans and find a safe place to store them while full. Masking tape and markers can be used to date the cans. You should know how long it's been around so you can gauge it if it needs to be used up soon or not. You don't want to be dependent on stale gasoline. And so uh, the other thing there too when you're talking about gasolines is, or generators and gasoline and all that and you're talking about comfort if you have someone elderly who needs to stay cool. Um, if you have a generator, if you're going to invest in one of that, one of those, and you're going to invest in having the fuel, you know, multiple gas cans of fuel, then you might want to invest in a little window AC unit if you have central air and heat, and uh, you know, you want to buy an AC unit for 
uh, a room where everyone is going to hang out, right? And so if you need to, you know, put up sheets and uh, or you know tarps or whatever, so that you can cordon off uh, a little section of your of your living room if you have to do that. But uh, blow in some uh, cold air if you're going to have that generator running and uh, cool, you know keep people cool if you're talking about uh, trying to stay comfortable, especially if you have someone elderly with you. Number three is tarps. Hurricanes bring damage and they bring it in a big way. Down power poles, trees, or even flying debris can create gaping holes in your home. Having tarps at the ready will allow you to act fast to keep your home from being destroyed by water damage. There is really no substitute for large tarps. Don't open them and they store better. We try to buy a couple each year even if we hadn't opened last year's. Okay, this is a really great recommendation because this is something that happens. I know one of the, during Ike, again, going back to Ike, one of our church members um, did have, uh, their, they didn't receive a lot of damage, but uh, their roof, uh, some of their roof blew away. And uh, so they did get some water inside of the house, but they were able to get tarps up there and, uh, and you know, tack it down. And so you do want to have something, not just a tarp, but a way to tack it down so that, uh, you know, the, you know, you're just not tying it off somewhere or whatever, or you know, putting bricks on there or, or whatever. You know, what, whatever you need to uh, to to tack it down on your roof, uh, you'll know what you'll need. But uh, that's a great recommendation here uh, because if you're you know you lose uh, your roof or you lose portions of your roof, and and there is rain, which usually there is rain that comes on the back end of a hurricane. And uh, like we experienced with Ike, uh, you don't want to cause more damage on top of more damage. All right, number four is cordage. The tarps won't do you much good if you cannot tie them down. It's important that you have cordage on hand for these types of scenarios. There are a million and one ways that having rolls of cordage on hand can help. I like to keep two types on hand specifically. I like to have thick rope on hand as well as paracord. Care for your cord and store it somewhere dry. And if you are looking for efficiency in the face of disaster, keep it close to the tarps. And again, I, I think cordage is very important and I have spools of paracord. But um, when it comes to the tarps and putting them on, on your roof, I think you're going to want to tack those down instead of trying to tie them off. All right, number five is batteries. Batteries are entertainment. They are light. They are communications. I have two-way radios, flashlights, and toys that are all part of my hurricane preparedness plans. While I have made a conscious effort to move away from batteries and to solar USB power, there are some things that need those lithium ions. I am a battery on clearance kind of guy. I don't buy cheap brand batteries. I find them useless, but I do look for quality brands on sale. And I would recommend or I uh, second his uh, quality brand uh, batteries because when you buy the cheap batteries, they just don't last. Number six is two-cycle oil. If you have made the commitment to store the gasoline, you should also have the two-cycle oil for your machines and tools. Primarily, I keep this on hand for the chainsaw. If you have anything that can impede your routes of escape or fall into your property, you should have a chainsaw. If you have a chainsaw, you, you better be able to fuel and to sharpen it. Number seven, flashlights. The way that I govern flashlights in my own stockpile requires two very distinct distinctive types of flashlights. For my wife and I, it's important that we both have high lumen, reliable, high quality lights. So having at least two of these on hand is important to me. Having two young kids, I also like to have options for them. So I buy inexpensive flashlights that are powered by AAA batteries. I want flashlights in every room, but I don't want to spend $40 on 
O-lights in every room. Small lanterns can also be a big help. The pop-up lanterns are very impressive in how much of a room they can light up. And guys, I would tell you, when the Survival Hacks flashlights go on sale, you got to pick some, some of those up. Right now, I'm kicking myself for not buying more because uh, you know I have a son who's, who's uh, uh, moving out here in, in the next week. And uh, I want to be able to give him a couple of flashlights. And I am going to hand them to him, but I wish I had more on hand. And so, uh, you know, definitely one of those because those, you know, just like he was talking about the lanterns here, light up a room. Those will light up a room as well. I mean, they are just so so darn bright man they they just they're definitely worth it all right number 8 is cash as americans we really stink at saving money so it would stand to reason that we are also pretty bad at saving cash maybe worse hurricanes bring on sweeping power outages these are indiscriminate which means they shut your lights out just as quick as the banks and the power to atms how are you going to get the things you need if all your money is saved in a bank a serious emergency fund is quite the goal. A dream would be to have three months of living expenses in metals and cash. That is lofty stuff. Still, there is no better time to start than now. Start putting a little hurricane cash away for a rainy and windy day. Number nine, ready to eat foods. Sometimes trivial things like your favorite foods will offer you serious comfort after a disaster. You might be trapped in your neighborhood, you might have lost all the food in your fridge, and it will be important that you have an option or options for your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You don't have to go the route of 25-year shelf life food storage options. You can also buy foods that are ready to go out of the package. I like having nuts, granola, beef jerky, and canned fish around. These are great options. Canned fruit is another great option. If you find pleasure in high-calorie bars, they are great to keep on hand as well. When disaster strikes, don't even worry about dinner. Have it on hand already. And we talked a lot about that already in the previous article there. Number 10 is Combat One's Full Spectrum Hygiene System. This is a newer product that I have fallen in love with. It's a waterless hygiene product that uses the power of colloidal silver to kill bacteria and kill your body clean, keep your body clean. Staying clean when the water is out and the power can be a real challenge. Infection becomes a real concern when tra- traipsing through floodwaters. The summer heat can create some serious stink in a week's time without water. Instead of wasting precious water on cleaning yourself, stockpile the tactical bath by Combat One. It's an eight cloth pack designed to clean your whole body. Okay, I don't know. I've never looked into this system before. I might go just take a look at it. Uh, if it's cloth, you know, just the fact that he said cloth here, I'm thinking like baby wipes and stuff like that are good to have on hand. If you can't, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't know what this system is like. I am going to go take a, take a look at it because I'm just, I'm interested in it now. But, uh, you know, that's another thing that you might want to have uh, in place. Number 11, first aid. People get hurt and killed in hurricanes all the time. The high winds send debris flying and trees falling. Sometimes a simple tourniquet can be the difference between keeping someone alive or not. At the very least, you should have a family-sized first aid kit on hand. I think it's important to have one household, first aid hub, and trauma kits elsewhere. I keep them in bags and vehicles. Hey guys, I'll also recommend, you know, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy were on the, the Survival Podcast with Jack Spirko talking a little bit about their kits. That might be a worthwhile 
um, podcast to listen to if you are interested in first aid kits, and I'll uh, I'll link to that in the show notes as well. Uh, you know, Doctor Bones and Nurse Amy. I you know I always talk about them. And I think that that their book is one of the you know, it's the first book that you should have if you are a new prepper. Um, the Survival Wilderness Handbook is the one that you should have before anything else. So I'm always recommending that one. Number twelve is basic OTC medicines or over the counter medicines. If you live through a devastating hurricane, you are going to have a headache. Be prepared with the stockpile of medicines for everyone in your house. That means you must include little ones as well. Make sure you can handle things like fever, stomach issues, cough, cold, and pain. Buy your meds and rotate them out. While they can be used past their expiration date, they may not be as effective. And that's one thing you should have as well. I mean, that's not just specific to hurricanes. You should always have that. Number 13 is ammunition. Another hurricane recovery standard, unfortunately, is looting. If you have anything of value, you better have a way to protect it. That could be a business, valuables at home, or even the guns themselves. There are some people who know no bounds when it comes to their evils. Even in times of great despair, they will come after what's not theirs. Read our article on buying bulk ammo cheap and start your stockpile today. Um, So there is a link here you can link to on buying bulk ammo. You know, there wasn't a lot of looting uh, when uh, Hurricane Harvey happened. And I think, I mean, there were some, don't get me wrong, there were some. And in a city the size of Houston, you're going to have some. But uh, just there wasn't as much as you would have thought of. And I think probably more than likely it was because the whole city was inundated. Uh, you know, people that maybe normally would have been looting, uh, they didn't have vehicles and stuff, you know, those types of things going on or they couldn't get around. Now, when Ike happened, that was a different story. There was uh, generators were being stolen left and right. And I remember walking down to uh, my neighbor about three doors down and uh, talking to him and he was carrying him. He was open carrying because, uh, you know, so many generators were being stolen. I mean, he had his in, in the backyard and stuff like that. But, you know, people were being very bold. And so, you know, that it does happen. So just FYI on that. Number 14, alternate cooking fuel. If you do plan on cooking, be sure you have alternate fuel sources. Rocket stoves or camping stoves are great ways to cook, but you must have the fuel you need to keep them burning. I keep a single burner stove that is fueled by small screw-on propane gas. This single burner setup allows me to cook hot food. While the hurricane season happens in the summer, there will come a time when your body is hungry for a hot meal. And so we're kind of lucky. We have a gas grill or a gas uh, stove. And so even when, like Hurricane Harvey, we always had gas. Now, when it's hot and you don't have AC and the power is out, you do not want to turn the stove on. You don't want to turn the, the, you know, the, the gas stove on because it just heats up the house too much. So one of the things that we used is I have a barbecue grill with a, a burner on the side of it. And so, you know, if you are in the uh, if you are in the market to buy a barbecue grill and maybe you can spend another twenty five, thirty, forty dollars on buying one that has a little burner on the side of it, you might want to just go ahead and invest in that because if you needed to, you can use that as you know, as a stovetop. I mean, that's that's how I made my coffee during Hurricane Harvey. Now, I also have camp stoves. I also have the little bottles that he's talking about. I also have the big propane containers for my grill. Uh, I have multiple containers. And I also have the adapter to be able to go from the uh, the big, you know, 20-pound containers into the small uh, fitting where the, the smaller screw-in cans would go. And uh, that's a way, you know, that would be a way that you could can 
you know, that you could can uh, if you needed to. You, you would have a, a nice supply of fuel there. But uh, that's one way to do it. So, uh, yeah, have multiple ways. If you're in a, a, a wood setting or you have woods around you and you can get to wood very easily, a rocket stove, you know, just to kind of heat things up would be good. If you once you ran out of propane, if that was the case, uh, you know, those are always uh, good to have. So you always want to have multiple ways to cook food. Definitely. All right. Uh, and then the last, uh, there's a section here on tax free holiday. The very best opportunity to build your hurricane stockpile is to take advantage of various state tax-free holidays. There are nine states across the nation that are currently offering these. This is a great time to make that purchase of a more expensive item. Save money on a great generator by waiting for the tax-free holiday. Below, I have listed each state involved and the dates of their events. Happy hunting. So Texas, um, May 26th to 28th, Florida, June 1st to 7th. Virginia, August 3rd to 5th. Louisiana, August 21st. I'm sorry, August 31st to, uh, I guess that's September 2nd. Um, Florida, I guess there's another one in Florida, September 21st to 23rd. Um, It says Georgia's was canceled. Well, that sucks. Maryland, February 16th to 18th. That's 2019. Alabama, February 24th to 25th, 2019. Missouri, April 18th to 24th. Uh, 2019 Texas again the 27th April 27th to 29th 2019 and then Louisiana I guess the 2019 one was canceled or at least maybe there's not information there but anyway so that's uh, if you live in one of those uh, you know Texas Florida Virginia Louisiana Georgia Maryland Alabama you know you might uh, consider doing that and uh, maybe you might want to come and uh, to this article and print that off so that you can have that but I know a lot of people it, do take advantage of that. I know in Texas it, it is promoted. Um, you know, you'll see it on the news. They'll talk about emergency preparedness weekend, and they'll have uh, you know people talking about generators and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I, I can't speak for the other states here. Um, but if you know if you want to fight the crowds, maybe you can go to a place where there's not a lot of crowds. But if you want to do that, that is definitely something to take advantage of, uh, especially when you're talking about like generators and where you can save you know maybe 30, 40 bucks on on something like that. So guys, that's uh, 14 things to stockpile for the next hurricane over at askaprepper.com. You know, definitely go check these articles out. Uh, a lot of good stuff here today. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 319. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.